Breaking the Cycle of Poverty, featuring Jay Height, Executive Director of Shepherd Community Center in Indianapolis. For the past 36 years, Shepherd has served its neighbors on the Near East Side of Indianapolis by providing a range of services and support designed to end generational poverty. My name is Tim Swearens, and I'm your host for these conversations that explore why poverty remains such a persistent problem in the United States and how each of us can help our neighbors break the cycle of poverty. Today's episode focuses on community engagement. How can we engage constructively with our neighbors next door and across the city as we all navigate the consequences of the pandemic, social unrest, and political and economic upheaval? The statistics are grim. The CDC last year reported a 28% increase in drug overdose deaths nationwide. Suicide deaths, especially among young people, have sharply increased in the past decade. In fact, public health professionals now use a sobering term to describe the intersection of these scourges, deaths of despair. In Indianapolis and across the nation, we've also seen a horrifying rise in the number of murders and violent assaults in the past few years. And we've all had to struggle to one degree or another in the past two years with the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual consequences of a pandemic that just won't seem to end. So it's clear, we need each other as fellow human beings created in God's image to walk through these hard times together. Jay, how is this pandemic of despair unfolding in Indianapolis? Well, we hear about the symptoms, violence. We set homicide records last year. Um, We, as you already alluded to, suicide. Uh, There's a thing called ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experience. It's PTSD for kids. ACEs scores for kids is skyrocketing. And and, uh, we test our kids around a thing called the Children's Hope Scale. Uh, Children's Hope scores are going down. Uh, we see so many pressures, and, and it's not just the pandemic. We're also in this amazing time of change in our culture where four generations to go from agrarian to industrial, we're, we're moving at a rapid rate from one generation to AI. And, and that's stressing, folks. Uh, all of these pressures together, and, and at the end of the day, the epidemic is loneliness. It, we see the symptoms, and sometimes we try to Uh, deal with the symptoms, but at the core of this, people are lonely. We're all Legos created for connection, different shapes, different sizes, different colors, but we're made to connect. And a Lego by itself, well, maybe you've experienced it like I did when you're walking in the evening to go to the bathroom and your kid left one in the hall and you step on it and you say, oh, bless you, child. (laughs) That Lego by itself can mean nothing. It's done because it was created to come together and connect. And that's how God created us. We need to be connecting. And we have folks in, in here in our own neighborhood where we have lots of people living on top of each other. And guess what? They're lonely. They don't feel seen. They don't feel like anyone knows them. And I said to our mayor, Mayor, this is our issue. This isn't yours. You're not going to police your way out of this. We have to instill hope and connection. People need to know they matter. I hope all of you listening can can hear the passion in Jay's voice. I know this is an issue that set of issues that he's very passionate about and has given a lot of thought to. Uh, Jay, what are some of the key steps Shepard is taking to engage with neighbors and to build hope as an asset? Well, our 2030 plan is to re-neighbor the hood. We have to once again. Robert Putnam, a researcher out of, uh, and and professor at Harvard, says if you don't have uh, community, you then cannot have uh, social capital, and then you can't bring about societal change. 
And so we have to restore community. And in his book, Bullying Alone, he chronicalizes the breakdown of community. Uh, one that he wrote recently, Our Kids, tells the stories, and some of them are faith-based groups like Shepherd, that, that we need to be out in the community. More programs aren't the answer. It's more relationships. People need to know they matter. And, and when they don't, if, if a kid thinks that no one matters about, uh, for them, that no one cares, no one sees them, then they're not going to care for themselves. And so relationships are, are at the very basis of this. And so we're, we don't want to create a program, but we want to free folks up in our neighborhood engagement team to be creating relationships and checking on people and calling them and seeing how they're doing. It, it is this idea... Um, there's a Greek word called paraclete. It is the one who comes alongside to help carry the load. Uh, in the New Testament, it, it is used to express the Holy Spirit. We don't need power over, because my neighbors many times know exactly what needs to happen. They just need to know that someone is there alongside them that's going to journey with them, that's going to encourage them, and, and help them feel like they matter. You've spoken thoughtfully for, for years about the crisis of hope so many people are facing in Indianapolis and really across the world. How do we find and hold on to hope when so many things seem to be going wrong? Well, I think at a very difficult time in my own life, uh, a passage, 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9, Paul writes, We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. Those verses still speak to me at a time in the middle of a pandemic when it just seems like it is never going to end and every day is major decisions and you have to pivot and you get exhausted. But you know what? It, where you get hope is in those little stories. And, and I'll share of a, a young boy who uh, he's a teenager now that my wife and I have invested in. And he has... Uh, a lot of trauma in his life. I love him very dearly, and he doesn't make some of the best decisions. But on Christmas Eve, I talked to him, and we were talking about he had got up early. I said, why'd you get up so early? And he said, well, I want to make sure my from his job money went into my account. And I said, what, what are you going to do? Why, why are you so worried? He said, well, what you and Jane have always done, I'm taking my nieces and nephews to the dollar store and letting them go shopping for their parents. And amidst all the hurt and pain of this young kid's life, and sometimes you wonder if you ever think, I celebrated the fact that this kid was giving. That this kid was thinking of someone else. That's huge. Yes. At a time when, when society would write him off as a statistic, people would say, look at all of his challenges, and I would say, you know what? This is a huge victory. But victory sometimes comes in inches. And, uh, and as I pray for him every day, I think we have to understand that we'll not sometimes this side of eternity see things, but I have a hope not because of what I can do, but what God can do through me. Yes. What can the business community and, and other leaders do to support efforts to, to build community engagement and strength? Well, I think we all need to do a better job of listening. We've seen the racial upheaval of the last year and a half. And 
I've had to do a better job of listening and understanding. And one of my very good friends who shared with me as an African-American male what it's like, and, and I had to learn through that. I had to be willing to listen and hear things that's different. I had to understand that some of my neighbors are terrified of what government may mandate because of a thing called Tuskegee. And uh, too many times, and I include myself in this, leaders want to talk and they want to present ideas. And I think we have to do all a better job of listening and being purposeful in that and hearing from our neighbors and, and letting them know that they've been heard and coming back to them and saying, this is what I hear from you. Because in that, I can actually, um, I grow as I hear from my neighbors of what, what's, uh, what it's like to, to be discriminated against, what it's like to be treated differently. And, uh, and so I, I think in this whole thing of loneliness, I need to be asking more people their stories and, and hearing them. And, and helping them know they matter. It's not a program. It's a relationship. And, and it means it's a little messy. And it's not efficient. Jesus did ministry at three miles an hour. We want to go 55 miles an hour and buzz from this to that. And I think we need to slow down and live life together and do ministry at three miles an hour. What can the business community and other leaders do to help support efforts to build strength and engagement? Well, I think it, it, they've got to listen too, like all of us. They've got to hear. I think pastors need to listen. I think neighbors, uh, 31% of Americans know their names of their neighbors. Boy, what if we all said we're going to find out who our neighbors are and begin connecting with them? We hear different things. We begin to learn things, and then we begin to put that, that connection. That's re-neighboring the hood. And business leaders and government leaders can do the same thing. On, on a personal level, you've worked hard in the trenches for many years to serve others and to meet deep needs. It can get discouraging at times to look around and see so much need and despair. What keeps you going, or, or what, or perhaps who speaks hope into your life? Yeah, I think one of the most difficult times in my ministry— was was a time in June many years ago, you would have covered it, the Hamilton Avenue slains. And here in my office is pictures of those of that family that that uh, was slain that day, the largest homicide in Indianapolis history, the Covarubias family. And uh, I I try to put into perspective Desmond, the gunman, who could go into a bedroom where three little kids are huddled on a bed and shoot them multiple times. And I can't change what happened. I loved my friends, David and Alberto and little Luis and, the, and their family that was also murdered. But what I can do is I can make sure that no more Desmonds are created. He wasn't born to go murder a family of seven. Things happened in his life. And, and there's a story. The star did a story about Desmond and said he was born to a, a, a mom who was all messed up. Dad wasn't in his life. He was kicked out of IPS. And let me tell you the story of another guy 
who was born with the same background. But he'll tell you, and his name's Curtis, and he's a good friend of mine. What Curtis will tell you is because so many people invested in him at a place called Shepherd Community, he didn't want to let them down. Curtis serves at another ministry here in our city and is a great leader and someone who I admire greatly. We have to, there's where the hope comes. Because we don't have to put up with more Desmonds and more Hamilton Avenue Slanes. We can make a difference. And it's when we collectively come together and gather and connect and our Legos, beautiful things can be built. And yes, there's going to be a lot of pain and hurt. And Paul's words sometimes, I, I, I doubt them, right? <laughs> it seems like we're crushed, but we're not. Um, and uh, we know that there's those individual stories of hope. And, and I, I think of Joe, the kid who grew up in a home that was messed up and, and now is a police officer and was just recognized uh, by IMPD for something he did uh, strong. I, I think of Antoinette, who was born into a home that dysfunction doesn't even come close and she served in ministry and is going to go to the Dominican Republic this year to to be a missionary and uh, and to know how hard she had to overcome her learning difficulties. Uh, These stories are the ones that thrill me because I've had the privilege and Jane and I have of being here long enough that we get to see these stories of folks who are making good choices who've it's not been easy and and yes there's a lot of heartache but it's ministry and progress in inches. What can our listeners do to, to help plant the seeds of hope in, in our neighbors? Well, first start in their own neighborhood. Uh, because this issue is just as prevalent in Carmel and in Fishers and in Franklin Township and in Greenwood as it is in the Near East Side. Uh, I was talking at one time to a leader in Fishers and they said, I said, what's your biggest challenge? He said, it's the sixth time when we show up and that person finally commits suicide. Uh, suicide and hopelessness isn't based on how much money you have. It's that you think no one cares. And so for us, we've got to be connecting. So it starts in their own neighborhood. It starts in our families, making sure our families know that we care, making sure our neighbors know, making sure our workmates know. You know, with the whole work from home and all of that's made it even worse and harder for some folks. Check in on your friends And then I think for us, it's finding ways to maybe volunteer and say, you know what, I'll just check in on a family. I'll call them once a week and see how they're doing and talk to that senior adult who thinks that no one cares. And it's it's all about us connecting. We're all Legos created for connection. Different shapes, different sizes, different colors. We're created to connect. Thank you, Jay. And, And thanks to all of you for listening today. The, the Shepherd team works hard each day to, to meet neighbors' physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental health needs, and they couldn't begin to do that without your support. To learn more about how you can assist those efforts, please visit shepherdcommunity.org. Thank you again for listening.